It's me again, Stu Simpson, and we're back. It's the Stu Simpson Podcast, and today we meet a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine, Shane James Bordas. He's an actor, singer, songwriter, producer, and an all-round great guy. He's also Canadian and lots and lots of fun, but lives in London now. We met on the set of Dark Shadows many years ago, and we haven't caught up for a very long time. This is a really fun interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Here's what he had to say about himself. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stu Simpson Show. And today we've got somebody very special joining us. We've got Shane Bordas. Is that how I pronounce the name, Shane? Well, well it's Shane James Bordas. Shane I go by all James. three names. Oh, but right. yeah, sorry, I'm very regal. <laughs> no, that works for me, but it's not hyphenated, is it? No, no, it's just uh, James is and it's my dad's name. And my dad's dad was called James. But um, many years ago, when I was first getting into acting, I did a, a stage show and I wanted myself to be able to Shane James Bordis. And then the director said, what, to distinguish yourself from every other Shane Bordises out there. But as soon as I got onto the Internet, got broadband, I realized there actually is a Shane Bordis in America. I think he was like a wrestler or something. <laughs> Excellent. But, but it was just like it sounded good, and I, that's the name that I use professionally now. So. Yeah, well, and James, of James Dean, of course. So you could, oh, James, yeah, of course. James, yeah. yeah, it's a great name. Fantastic name, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So we now have established that you are an actor. We met on the set of Dark Shadows many, many moons ago. Oh, God. It yes. was, yeah, it was really good fun um, with the with Johnny Depp, of course. Uh, but, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't that talking of that day. <laughs> So we sat and we talked to each other and we got on very, very well. So as well as being an actor, what else do you do? Uh, okay, good question. Uh, let me think. Uh, no, so yeah, I, uh, I act, uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. Uh, I uh, also direct, I produce. I wouldn't say I'm an artist like you. You're much better than I am, but I do like to scribble a little bit. So, uh, you know, I do, but, uh, you know, that's like a side thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that's the kind of, I'm writing a novel at the moment as well, which I know you, you are too, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Uh, well, I've written the story. The, it's the editing. It seems to be a bit of an issue at the moment. But oh, tell just, me about it. Oh, <laughs> it's, um, oh, well, well I recently joined TikTok, and it and turns out I've got all the symptoms for ADHD. So, <laughs> so start, starting projects are great, and I have many, many things going on. Uh, Finishing them, Stu, you're speaking my language. You're speaking <laughs> yeah. my language. I know this very. That's probably why we get along so well. Probably, we absolutely. spirits. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, you, we do these things. So yeah, yeah both like, writers, singer songwriters, artists, and yeah. actors. So, but yeah. yeah, everybody's an artist. If you if you put a piece of pen and a bit of paper together and you draw a line that's the beginning just keep going that's my my theory yeah. on these things well so, on my facebook sorry to me to go no, here, no. but on my facebook i've got a quote that i've always really loved i'm a big warhol fan but andy andy warhol said don't don't worry about like how good something is just just get it done just make stuff <laughs> you know just to paraphrase so i put that on my facebook because i look at that every time i log on i'm like yeah <laughs> just listen to andy just keep making things so what, where did you start? What was your, tell us about your history. Where did you, where did it all begin? Where did your creative mm -hmm. journey start? Oh God, uh, good question. Well, I'm, I'm from Canada originally. I've been living in London for over 20 years now, but I'm, I'm part British. My dad's English, but I was born and raised in Canada. But um, Where, Whereabouts in, the, in Canada? 
Oh, so I was born in Vancouver, which is a beautiful city and a nice place, but it's not as glamorous as that. I, I, I moved, my parents moved when I was quite young and I actually grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is kind of like, it's right in the middle of Canada and it's a bit this kind of frozen wasteland in the winter and then you like blazing hot summers and it's kind of like a, it's a big city, but it's kind of has a small town mentality. So growing up there, I was always more inclined to quite artsy type stuff you know like um, the music that I liked in the films and I found it very hard to kind of find people that were like-minded yeah. you know and and so I couldn't wait to grow up and move the hell out of the city and go to uh you know like Toronto I lived there for a while the more metropolitan cities and then after a while I thought because I could come over here and get permanent residency which is you know how I'm still here uh I knew I, that you know if I moved to London I'd meet people that you know if I mentioned like a band like Suicide you know from mm. New York in the 70s I mean I I, my first job in, in London was working at the Virgin Megastore that used to be on Oxford Street. Cool. And as soon as I mentioned suicide, there was like 20 suicide fans in my department, you know, in Virgin. Yeah. So every, whereas, you know, if I said that in Winnipeg, nobody would have a clue. But it's quite different now. I've got a really good friend, a musician friend of mine, Sean, and uh, he's a bit younger than me. And when I go back, him and his girlfriend and all their friends, they, they're you know, with the internet, like the world's at your fingertips, but this is like pre-internet, but then there's a whole kind of enclave of people that are really into like New York punk and post-punk and all the things that I really like. But but it was quite a different kind of world. Like when I first moved here, it was like you needed to go out and actually like go to clubs and meet people that were into the same things that you were. And, you know, you, you had to integrate it more. And I think the capital brought a lot of people to the city a lot of people were from the provinces and just couldn't relate to the people around them and were mm. drawn to the capital to try to find you know kindred spirits basically but i think clubs and all that sort of thing changes and the way that we interact personally with people it challenges us in a way that if you're sitting behind a laptop doesn't so i mean oh, yeah because i've got I found myself, I'll probably feel as if I've got some sort of social anxiety and I go out and it takes quite a lot of being brave to kind of go out there and just initially start talking to somebody. Mm. But when you're used to just sitting behind a laptop and then you kind of, you navigate life a bit differently. So I think those growth things when going out clubbing and was rocks. So I went to CBGB's in New York and I was just yeah, like, I went are, there too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, where are my people? It's like, it was just before it closed down. It was like, where is, where is everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah I went there. I went there in 2000. And I remember asking like where the where the loo was, and I'll never forget the toilet in all all my days. Seriously, I walked into the toilet, and there was literally there there was like the urinals against the wall, but it was a big concrete open space, and there was literally a toilet on a plinth in the middle of the room with yeah. nothing around it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> I was just about to say we've peed in the same place. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Uh, I'll have to introduce you to my friend Rob. He's uh, who's the other half of Big Boys Camp. Well, he's the other half of the writing side of Big Boys Camp, which is the my writing project here in London. Okay, um, cool. And because where are you living now in London? I just moved house. So I've been in the East End for a long time because, you know, living as an artist, you know, you want to go where it's cheap and you can mm. live, live in a garret, you know, starving in a garret. Yeah. No, I just I just moved house about a month ago. So I'm in Forest Gate now. So am I. Stratford. How are you? I'm in Forest well, Gate. You know what? When I first met you, we lived very near each other out in uh, Manor Park, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really close to you now. I'm, I'm probably like 20 minutes down the road from you. It's so, so, so is Rob, my other friend, but he's from Canada. Oh, cool. Well, we should meet up in person for a bit. Definitely. Well, because yeah. he's a musician as well, and you'd get on really, yeah. really well. Yeah, I'd and love you to can meet him. Talk about Canada <laughs> and moving <laughs> Don't to do London. that very often. <laughs> 
That's um, true. I've been here so long. I've been here. I've been in the UK longer because I used to live in Yorkshire as well. So I've actually been in the UK longer than I've been in Canada now. That's how yeah, old I am. You've, lo <laughs> you've lost a lot of your Canadian accent if you had one. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah, definitely very broad. But I mean, I still can hear it myself. But then when I meet other people, like in the gallery, we had some uh, temps today, you know, working in the Hayward Gallery. And they were like, oh, you know, they, they, th they think I'm English because this girl's Romanian. She can't tell. But then English people can always tell. <laughs> when I first moved to London, people thought I was a number of different things. I got French, Welsh. French. Uh, yeah. Somebody said, are you French? I was like, where are you from? Like, I've got Australian quite a lot. I have that a lot. I get Australian or Irish, strangely. Mm. I don't know why, but I've got an Irish name. My dad actually named me after his favorite movie, which is a classic 1953 Western with Alan Ladd. So that's what I'm actually named after. And I have a good story because I met David Bowie when I first moved to London. <gasps> and when I told him my name, I said, I, you know, I met him a few times because I was working at Virgin at the time and he came to do an in-store appearance. And finally, um, I, I like, you know, before he was about to leave, I asked him to sign me something. And he said, by the way, what's your name? You know, and I said, oh, Shane. And he said, what? Like the cowboy. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, the reference. Excellent. Because <laughs> Bowie was a film buff. And so yeah. it's like, you know how they say never meet your heroes. He's the one person that I was so glad I met because he's like my all time hero. And he was like the most charming man I've ever met in my life. That's amazing. I was just about to ask you that. Um, there's a lot of Achia, a lot of Bowie, Bowie. Do you say Bowie or Bowie? Well, you know, uh, David always said rhymes with slowy. Okay, well, slowy Bowie. That makes that that works for me because I've always said Bowie. Hooray, I win. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you win. No, my mum. See, all I grew up with Bowie. It was like my dad's into Bowie, my mum's into Bowie. Um, I never really had babysitters. My parents never sort of trusted other people to come in, like strangers. So I used to have like family members. But my mum's brother was kind of a bit of a like a, you know talk about James Dean. He was like a wannabe James Dean. Bought himself a sports car and be a bit kind of doing a lot of drugs and stuff. And he would play Ziggy Stardust on the loop when i was a oh, kid wow. and you know mum was really into station to station dad's more into the early 70s stuff but my 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 i have a nice little anecdote in 1969 uh, my dad moved to canada from um from yorkshire in 1966 and what his uh, sister used to do is send him like the top 10 records in the uk charts on a regular basis and in 69 she sent him this weird record called space oddity and my dad played it and said, what the hell did she send me? This was a really weird record. Like, I'm, I'm not even sure I like it, you know? And so he gave it to me and sadly, I don't have it anymore. But <laughs> but I kind of blame my parents. Like Bowie was, it's like part of my DNA. I mean, I can't help it. Like I just, he was probably not so much, not even just music, but just Bowie to me is just like an all rounder. He's just art, you know? And, and, and there's so many like composite parts to him uh, that it just made me like when I was a teenager teenager growing up i've been listening to bowie ever since i was like maybe eight years old but when i turned like 13 and i really started to be more cognizant of the things i was listening to and to simulate them bowie was just like godhead and he always has been and he still is you know i guess those things never change you know what i mean so would you say he's the biggest influence in the music that you make well, I, I mean, to be honest, I do get this a lot, although strangely enough, like obviously people can't help but compare you when they listen to your music, separately, you know, like, like unlike you, I, I used to do music all the time, but then I dropped out of it for a few years and got into acting and stuff. And it seems like you've been more consistent with your work, whereas now I, it, only since last the first lockdown, I've been starting to do it again and picking it up after years and years of not singing or playing or anything. So when people are listening to me, my stuff, a lot of people know me for years and don't even know it can sing. Yeah, <laughs> so go, is, yeah. that you? Is, that, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. Whereas before, um, 
when I first moved to the UK, that was like the first thing anybody knew about me was that I was a singer and a songwriter. I don't know for some reason I lost touch with that. But so obviously when, pe when people are hearing, even if they know you well and they hear the work, it's almost like, you know, there's like a remove and they were like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, I hear a bit of Bowie, but everybody knows that I love Bowie. So yeah, <laughs> but it's not conscious. Like I don't go out of my way to do anything like that. I guess it's just part of my DNA. Like I can't help it. It's just there, but, yeah. but I get, I don't know. Sometimes I've, I've had a lot of comparisons to Brian Ferry, who I'm also a big fan of a big rocks music fan. Uh, I've had that quite a lot. Uh, Mark Bowen T-Rex again. There was kind of like a, uh, there was kind of like the Holy Trinity trilogy. Sorry, when I was uh, growing up, it, it, the Holy Trinity. But it, it was like uh, David Bowie, Rocks and Music, Mark Bowen, T Rex. You know, those are like the three things that I gravitate to because, like, my dad uh, had a massive record collection. And when he wasn't around, I used to rifle through his record collection and look at the record covers. And if I was really like, taken with a record comfort like Bowie with his like flaming red Ziggy Stardust hair I go whoa this looks weird what's this you know and I used to just try it out and those are the things that I gravitated to you know it I you know I, I don't know how you feel about it but I've never been a big Beatles fan it, that <gasps> kind of passed me by yeah they kind of like you know they never registered with yeah. me whereas like uh, the Rolling Stones did you know I was yeah I'm the other way around Sam but there's I think there's probably psychological reasons around why we choose these things my dad was a massive Rolling Stones fan not okay. and uh, me and my dad yeah. didn't massively get on very well <laughs> okay well that explains it yeah. so i was just like hmm, i'm gonna be a bit dubious about the stones now uh yeah, but yeah. i really like the pop melodies of the beatles so it's um yeah, yeah. but yeah it's uh it's just one of them things yeah i think they're a bit too pop for me i don't know like i'm a i'm a massive i've just done a cover with uh, my two friends uh gary leg and uh, gabriel keller and we we you know we were getting drunk in my place the other night and i was just like hey we should do like a crosby stills and nash and call ourselves bordis keller and leg and they thought it was funny but i was like i sent them basically i i do the basic tracks and i send it to, to the guys for overdubs and then what i do is obviously i produce it so when i get their parts back i take my parts out and put their parts into the track and uh we did a velvet underground cover and i didn't actually choose it but it was my mate gabe who's the keyboard player and he said oh let's do what's go what goes on by the velvet underground which is the first song i ever learned to play on guitar oh, wow. <laughs> you know i learned guitar quite late i don't know how long you've been playing but i didn't start teaching myself until i was about 20. i, I started uh, when i was about 13. <laughs> uh, oh yeah see you got to yeah, again you got a head start on me i had to teach myself when i was about 20 and and uh, and i was like obviously i learned an acoustic on really high action really heavy gauge strings yeah, and so yeah. to play a four chord song like the velvet underground it was like getting the rhythm so my two big heroes were like uh, lou reed and pete townsend you know in, in terms of guitar because it was just townsend's more complicated but in terms of like really solid rhythm strumming and just like a few chords and you had a song you know yeah and and and, and just the same with Bowie, like I hear just as much Velvet Underground and everything I do is Bowie. Like, it's just, again, it's something that I can't get away from, you know, it's just, it's just part of my aesthetic, I suppose. Uh, what subjects do you write about generally? That's a really good question, you know, because I'm not, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess I remember Bowie said one time in, in an interview that he considered himself to be a more impressionistic writer. And that's something that I chimed with. So I think that. I don't think I have any kind of like agenda or I'm not proselytizing or anything like that. It's more that I'm, um, I don't know. I'm quite into surrealism and that, and I'm more in kind of to imagery and to kind of uh, hinting and bringing up images and moods and feelings. Like the last time I really seriously made any music was literally like 20 years ago. 
and I'm, I just, I self-produced and recorded an album on my four track, you know, that's how long oh, ago wow. it was. Um, Cause now all the stuff I've been doing for the last year is actually the first time I've ever worked on the computer doing music. I've never done it until last so year. What are you using to record? Oh, I use Logic, um, but I, I've got a Scarlet um, Red um, DI box for my vocals and guitar, and I use Logic, and I just bought some new plugins, so I've been teaching myself mastering and stuff like that. So, you know, I see a progression, but the first record that I did like 20 years ago, it was literally like a digital four track. I didn't have a computer. I just had a sequencer keyboard, acoustic guitar, and electric guitar. You know, I listened back to some of the tracks recently, and they're like, they're kind of spirited. They're a bit rough, but yeah. you know, you can hear the ideas are there, you know, but I've still got a Boss four track, which I which I use to record my demos. It's it's, it's oh, very no, useful. Really? Yeah. I'm amazed using a computer because like, honestly, Stu, if I had all this stuff when I was a kid, I like never would have left the house. Like never, ever, <laughs> you know, there's just so much stuff on the internet. And it's so amazing. Like the results now that I'm starting to learn a bit more, I sent out, um, I did a song recently um, called I Never Built a City and I sent it out to a few people. And I'm like, my God, like, what? it's <laughs> awesome. I, I listened it, to it. It's like really, it? really, really good. Uh, if yeah. with your permission, I'll put it on the end of the podcast. So yeah, our, listen- do, our yeah. listeners can hear it. And then direct them to to where they can hear everything else as well. If, yeah, if... yeah, please do. Yeah, I just um, basically it was a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, Mark, who I used to work with many years ago. We used to work at this record store called Fop that I think is still there in Ireland. Is it really? And... Well, because yeah, HM... I think so. I think HMV bought them out. They did, but they were still going. I I haven't. I've only just started going back into town this week, but it was there just before. Like, I love Fop. It's so down. good. Yeah, but but Mark and I were like original staff members at FOP and they used to send us out to Bristol where their warehouse used to be when we first started. And I got talking to him because he used to buy things. He bought a bunch of CDs on his first day. He spent like half his paycheck <laughs> on the first day. And he had like Bowie, he had like King Crimson, he had like all these bands that I really love. So I was like, hey man. And he had, and I'm a massive, massive Bob Dylan freak, by the way. Yeah. So he he had uh, he had a I th- I don't know if Chronicles was out at the time. Maybe I got my chronology wrong, but he had something by Dylan. And I was like, okay, you got Dylan, you got Bowie, you got King Crimson. Who are you? I want to talk. Yeah, we need to talk. (laughs) So what's uh, the best, what's your favorite Dylan album? Oh God. Uh, Probably Highway 61 Revisited. I mean, too. It is. It is. It's brilliant. Well, it's got Desolation Row on it, which is arguably his greatest song. And so, well, I like Subterranean Homesick Blues. I know it's a little bit pedestrian, but I really love that song. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, they're all amazing. Yeah, because it's still in, except for his Christmas album. Sucks balls. I hate it. (laughs) You know what? It's so funny that you said that because Clinton Halen, who's like, I've read loads of his books. You know, he's written about all kinds of stuff. And again, New York Punk, which is really big with me, but he's just written a new biography about Dylan because um, there's a Dylan uh, museum in Tulsa right. and he's had ac- access to it to get records and even though he reckons he's written the definitive bio about Dylan he's writing a new one he's just put out the first volume based on these records because it was Dylan literally sold this thing for like 22 million to these collectors wow. in Tulsa and so he he spent ages writing a new biography about Dylan uh uh, uh, you know, and and I read this interview with him uh, where the guy said, "What's your favorite Dylan album?" And he said, "Blood on the Tracks." But he said, "What's your worst one?" And he said, "The Christmas album, which is also my least favorite." Yeah, it's one. terrible. I don't <laughs> even have it. I deleted it from my iTunes. Yeah. So it's that bad. So yeah. Yeah. Well, when I worked, I used to work for HMV, and uh, and the, it came around Christmas as a Christmas temp, 
And uh, I thought, it's the new Dylan album and it's a Christmas. And I put it on and everybody in the shop was like, what on earth is this? I, I used to play it when I worked at Foils and people used to groan at me. And I used to go, no, you, I used to just torture people with it for a laugh. Like, yeah, That's how yeah. bad it is. But let's uh, not dwell on that. Let's not <laughs> dwell on the bad ones. Let's dwell on the good ones. So you love New York punk. Uh, so I know the Ramones and that's kind of where my knowledge seems to be stopping in my head. Can you? Oh, come on. Talking to... heads. Oh, were they classed as punk? Yeah, back in those days they were. Yeah, they were CBGBs. Um, the CBGB scene was basically started by television. So, mm. Oh, know, yeah, Tom of course. Yeah. But this is the early version of television that had Richard Hell, who I'm also a big fan of. Mm. He laid it because he wasn't really, he was more of a writer. He wasn't really a, a player, but Hell and Verlaine were best friends and moved to New York together. And they started the band, but because Verlaine is an incredible musician, he was a bit snobby and he kind of like froze Richard out of the band and they got another player. He used to be in Blondie and then he ended up joining <laughs> them. But they basically, the story is that Hilly Crystal, he was the owner of CBGB's. They basically, he, you know, it was CBGB's because it was country blue grass, you know, and blues, you know, yeah. it, it was meant to be because he was really into country and blues. And when they were trying to get a gig in New York and there was nowhere to play at that time, this is about like 74, 75 they they basically said look we, we we've got a band they're like oh you any good and like yeah we're fantastic and they're like oh will you bring our friends yeah we'll bring our friends what kind of music do you play and then it was like oh we play country and blues <laughs> uh, of course. and they just lied <laughs> to get the gig and then obviously when hilly heard them he's like what the hell is this this isn't like country music but then they did bring all their mates and the club was full and so that's how the scene it was just accidental it's kind of television that instigated it but it was television and then the next one was patty smith oh uh, cool was the big, i love the patty smith. yeah yeah i yeah, love- I, I, met, I met patty when she came to foils actually because she's a big fan i was still working there and i met her and she's she's a real charmer oh have you read her biography I confess I got it to sign it and I still haven't read it. I'm oh, it's lie. so good. It's <laughs> I keep the, hearing. Yeah. Just yeah. kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, one of the best biographies I've ever, yeah. ever read in there. Um, yeah. Cause I'm a big Ma- Mapplethorpe. It's Mapplethorpe. Mapplethorpe. It's Mapplethorpe. Yeah. Mapplethorpe. Yeah. I, I'm just a huge fan of his work. And so, yeah. I am too. Yeah. I oh, well, it was, it was him that turned around to making music. So I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, I, I just, yeah. It blows my mind. So for people. I know. I, I know the history some of these people have that's that's the thing because like again you know I, I used to do event management for foils for like you know a couple of years and and sometimes the managers were just like oh this is somebody famous they didn't really know who they were and what to talk to them about and when i met patty we just got on like a house and fire and every the managers were just like oh my god <laughs> you know it's because it's like i've been studying this stuff ever since i was a teenager yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know i mean i know more about her than she does you know <laughs> yeah. i think i sort of started losing faith in the the popular music world i mean i got involved in the folk world um yeah. when, when i was sort of in my mid-20s 30s sort of thing because there was nothing after the arctic monkeys there wasn't a lot coming through which I, which was really livening me up which was really massively pushing my buttons i mean billy eilish now is quite interesting uh there's, there's I'm, a i got few... mixed feelings about billy I, yeah. I really like lana del rey i'm a massive lana del rey yeah fan. her last couple of albums i think I, the last one the chemtrails album it was a bit like mm, it, it kind of i thought this might be a grower i need to give it a chance but i absolutely love it now i think she's amazing actually uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've been, I've been following her ever since she came up with, uh, I don't know, what was it, video games, the, the one that went viral on YouTube? Because oh. Lana was kind of like the, 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 the kind of 
spearhead of all that kind of going onto YouTube and becoming viral, I think. And at the time people said, Oh no, she's phony and tried to poke holes and she's fake. And it's like, she's a pop star. Like, you know, yeah. I never understood that criticism. Whereas nowadays that criticism doesn't even exist. It doesn't, you know, does it? People just, yeah. 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 You know, so, but she was, it. Yeah, but she's been around for like at least 10 years now. I think she, you know, it was about 10 years ago that that record came out. Oh my God, it made me feel yeah. old. <laughs> I know, I know. Dude, I'm turning 51 next month. <laughs> Shut up, you're not. I am, I am. Second wow. second COVID birthday. Yeah, <laughs> I think because I my birthday's on the 19th of June and I think lockdown is meant to lift on the 21st. So. Yeah, my, mine's on the 25th. So I think yeah. I, might, I might be oh. all right. I might be all right. Who knows? Uh, lucky you. Yeah. Lucky. Well, we'll see what happens with the variant, shall we? <laughs> so well, I've been vaccinated. Go? So folks, you're both, okay. of them. both of them. <laughs> no, I'm getting a second one in uh, two weeks. Yeah. All right, cool. I've, I've only had the, I've had the first one. I'm waiting for my second one. So I'm quite a fair. Uh, I'm looking forward to But it's official. I don't have covid because at work uh, at south bank they've given us these covid tests and i had to do one this morning before i went to work and it's official i do not have covid hooray i, I had one today as well <laughs> so they, we keep our lives just keep sliding along intersecting yeah absolutely uh, so where can people listen to your art and your music oh okay well, so, well listen uh, to your art i mean you know what i mean where, where can they, I, where can I they like see what you list- do I like listening to my art. I think that's great. They, they can look at my music and they can listen to my art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got a YouTube channel. Where can they so feel your acting? <laughs> well, they might have done. Yeah. It's funny, actually, because they were, like I said, there were some temps in the gallery today and, and I never met this woman before. And I just started to introduce myself and, and I said, she goes, oh, what do you do? And I, you know, same question you just asked me and I started to rally off and she goes, oh, yeah, I thought you were an actor. And I was like, what? She just, I just met her and she's like, yeah, you seem to have that thing about you. I could just tell. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I have a YouTube channel just under my own, own name, Shane James Bordas. So if you look for it, I've got some videos, uh, mostly Bordas, Kelly and Leg videos that we've done. We've done a few covers. I did, did you know Frank Sidebottom. I love from I'm a huge. I just Frank covered Sidebottom, one of yeah. his songs. <gasps> Which one? Which one? I, I tell her I'm ill. You know the freshies. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, did you? But see I've changed it. Yeah, I did. But that's the thing is, I I um I remember working for Sundance a few years back. And do you know the movie Frank? Yeah, that's uh, what I was asking uh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike. Um... I did the I did the launch. I did the uh, opening, the UK opening. Oh, shut up! I love that. And film. I. I have a mask. I'll have to take a picture of it. I have a mask that we gave out to all the people. We gave them a goodie bag and they gave we get we had a little string mask to give them all. I still have one. Here's my little claim to fame, which you would love if you're a Frank Sidebottom fan. The first yeah. ever gig I went to was a Frank Sidebottom gig. Oh no way. By accident. Because oh, I've met so many people that saw him live. I never saw him, but mm. I knew who he was for years. But the thing was, until like you mentioned about the documentary, I had no idea he had a band. Or uh, to be honest, I didn't even know what he looked like until I watched the documentary. I just knew him as Frank Sidebottom. I knew the character, but I didn't know Chris Seavey. And then when I saw some of the things he'd done in the band that he had, I was like, I'm covering one of his songs. But I've totally rearranged it. My version's like completely different to his version. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of. <laughs> But I put up like a doo-woppy, like, do you know uh, the, the Beatles, um, the, Re- the White Album version of Revolution that the Beatles do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where it has doo-wop bops and it has acoustic guitars on it. I did a version of Teller and Mill more like that. But then when I played it for my mate, talk about influence, when I played it for my mate Gaz, who's the bass player, 
he said, oh, it sounds like T-Rex. <laughs> and in my head, I thought it sounded like the Beatles. Frank, and he's like, no, Frank, it sounds like T-Rex. <laughs> Frank said, but Beatles and T-Rex, what more does anybody want? I mean, <laughs> It's nice. I mean, Gaz gave it a really beautiful kind of hot love, like T-Rex bass line, you know, and I do the doo-wop bops and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if you've heard it, but it, that's on YouTube. And uh, to, just to finish your question, and my original music is on Bandcamp. So I have my own Bandcamp little shop where I've put out six singles since last October. Like I usually put out one every month because they've had a, a Bandcamp Friday. The first yeah. Friday of every month, they waive their uh, royalty fees. They do, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I put out six singles in the last few months. Um, so, yeah, so if, if you look me up, Shane James Borders on Bandcamp or YouTube, you, you should find me there. So did you find uh, the lockdown was really good for your produ productivity? It was good for my music. I mean, to be honest, mate, I, 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 um, I haven't seen you for so long, but I made a film more recently, um, a Warhol-based film where I play Warhol. I wrote, produced, directed it, and played. I ended up playing a couple of roles in it, more for necessity because we were very low budget. But I did a screening of it in March of 2020, and it was literally two weeks before the first lockdown. So the last time I saw a lot of my friends, because a lot of my friends turned up for the screening, I haven't seen a lot of them since that time. So I might do another screening. If I do, you'll have to come by and I see would it. love to. I would love to. This, honestly, you, it's people like yourself that really make me miss living in London when I'm not here because I've yeah. been up in Cumbria and um, just – being there, being creative, but in my own little bubble, in my own little space. But I kind of yeah. miss, because when you see people and other creative friends, sparks happen and you start going, oh, my God, we could do this work and this mm. could happen. And just having a conversation that just sparks off so many other ideas. Especially oh, yeah, when... definitely, definitely. So Yeah, been... no, we... Yeah, sorry. All I was going to say is, is basically I kind of was in that mindset in March of last year that it was all about film and I was looking to promote the movie because I literally spent like two and a half years making this movie because, by the way, I edited it. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a technical person, but I was like on a learning curve. I was doing everything myself. I, I did the grading for it. I, I, I did like so much work on it. I got a mate to help out with sound design, but we did so much work. And then we, you know, we showed it in um, close up of this um, the small cinema in, in uh, near Brick Lane, which is a really great venue. And I was all about the film and kind of like pushing the film. And then all of a sudden lockdown happened. I couldn't enter into festivals. I couldn't do anything. So I sat at home. And then finally with, uh, you know, I've been employed for South Bank for the last couple of years. So South Bank were like, well, you guys are all on furlough. And I was like, well, does that mean we get paid? And I don't have to go to work, you know? So there was nothing to do. And I thought, shit, what do I do now? So then I was like, oh god i've got logic on my computer and i've never used it and that's basically how it started like inadvertently i just thought oh how do i record a track on my computer and it's only really for about a year now that i've been doing it and then i've just been building up momentum and then as i play tracks for friends they were like i, I know loads of guitar players like everybody's a goddamn guitar player we all yeah. even i i play lead guitar on our new song and i wasn't going to play it because i don't really consider myself i'm more of a singer and a writer i'm not i'm not the most confident musician but but my mate gaz was like no you know gaz is an amazing like multi-instrumentalist yeah. really incredible musician and and i asked him to play the solo and he's like no you can do it you play it so i was like okay so i had to go and he's like oh, okay so we put it on the record but but that's kind of like basically what i've been doing so as i got more into it i got more into engineering and i was like oh my god i can't believe what you can do with a computer so i spent some money buying some nice plugins and and i'm you know and uh, again um the new song the new velvets covers in mono and that was another challenge to you know i 
tons of organ parts from Gabe, loads of guitars, all kinds of stuff. So to try to mix that in mono, oh my God, seriously. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> you think it's easy, but try to put all that dense stuff into a mix and still make it audible and still make it impactful. I was like, those are, you know, so I'm really engrossed in this. So, you know, having to go back to work today, I was like, oh, but I'm making a record. Yeah. You know, I'm making an album now. So, so these guys are going to play on my new record. Have you decided what you're going to call it yet? Well, this is a this is a that's a great question because in my head, I'm sure you, you're the same. I know you're the same as me. You've got like all these projects floating around your head, mm. and sometimes you never do them. I've always wanted to make an album called "Life Eventually Surrenders," Ooh. and that's and that's the title for the new album. So I'm going to use it. So. Oh, it's going to happen! I know it is. It's just great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just envisage <laughs> it. See it. See it happening. It's good. It's. Well, honestly, this is one of the best interviews I've had since starting the podcast. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's really nice yeah, to Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it too. Yeah, and no. um, so we're going to play your track, um, your most recent track. Is that what you want people to hear? Yeah, I'd love you to play that one. Um, Would you like that, to introduce it? I, yeah, I mean, the, the long and short of it is uh, that I've, as I was just mentioning earlier, uh, I've been putting out a new song at the beginning of the first Friday of every month on Bandcamp. And it kind of got to that point a time again where it was about five days away. And so I gave myself a challenge to write and produce a song in five days. And I ended up coming with this song in three days. Uh, and I was going to kind of do bass myself, like electronic bass, but I felt, well, it's not impactful now. So I sent it away to my friend Gaz, who we keep mentioning, and Gaz just did the most phenomenal bass line, uh, hit the deadline, I put it out, and I, I'm quite proud of it. I think it's a really good track. And uh, yeah, and, and a little bit of trivia. This might sound really weird, but I've been getting quite heavily into Black Sabbath. This was meant to be my Black Sabbath song. <laughs> Excellent. And, and when you hear it, it's very artsy. It sounds more like sort of PJ Harvey or something, maybe. But but in my head, I was trying to be Black Sabbath. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much. And well, hopefully I'll see you, see you at some point soon as we're allowed now. Hooray. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You should definitely message me. And we should now that we're uh, kind of neighbors again, we should definitely meet up in person. Excellent. Well, I'll be here for a little while and I'll be back anyways. So this is great. Okay. Thank you very much. And um, ladies and gentlemen, this is Shane Bordas with his song. Oh, I never built a city. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Shane. <laughs> See you again soon. <laughs> Take care. See you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Even
But you 